clickbait. But who can blame her? She's a superstar, one of the universe's most famous women. And in just 11 and a half hours, 75,000 fans will be screaming for her, worshipping her. The pressure to perform, to entertain, and to simply remain Madonna is immeasurable. Even I, who am now the closest person on earth to the queen of the world, can't fathom how it feels to walk in her size 7 shoes, stalked by so many expectations, so many who love her, so many who hate her, so many who long for her to fall flat on her famous face. Time to wake my sister. I unlock the door between our suites, too late. Loud snorting is coming from her bathroom. She is in the midst of her morning routine. Swallowing a gulp of warm salt water, gargling, snorting it up through her nose, and then spitting it out. Essential, she believes, for the maintaining of her voice. I flick through CNN for five minutes, then I open the adjoining door to Madonna's suite again. Dressed in a white sweatshirt and black Adidas sweatpants, my sister is sprawled on her bed, drinking coffee with sugar, nibbling on sourdough toast. I give her a brief kiss. You okay, Madonna? She nods, but I didn't sleep much. Like our father, neither of us has any use for small talk. We know each other's glances and gestures by heart, and can decode them with unerring accuracy. So that when my sister places her hands on her hips, I know there's trouble. And when she picks at her fingernail polish, usually red, I know she's nervous. And when she tucks her thumb into the palm of her hand and wraps her fingers around it, a childhood habit of mine, which she may have appropriated because she believes her fingers are too stubby and always tries to hide them, I know she needs reassurance. And for the past ten years, I've been happy to give it to her. My ability to reassure my sister in times of trouble or self-doubt is one of the reasons that, unlike a myriad of others to whom she has granted admittance to Madonna Land, then summarily exiled, I have survived. I have endured as her humble servant, as I sometimes sign my letters to her, as the one person in our family to work for her long term, and as the only family member with whom she still maintains a close relationship at this point. At eleven sharp, we jog through Hyde Park, dogged by paparazzi desperate for a shot of the material sans makeup. Madonna pulls her baseball cap down to obscure her face. We keep on jogging. At one, Madonna in her black stretched Mercedes limo and I in my chauffeur-driven sedan are ferried to Wembley Stadium in northwest London. We never ride to or from the shows together, as we both want the freedom to arrive and leave whenever we like. Fans are already milling around the stadium gate, some hoping to score a last-minute ticket, others to catch a glimpse of Madonna as we drive in. No chance of that, though. Our windows are blacked out, and when the cars stop at the back entrance, we head straight for her dressing room. As always, the promoter has lived up to every single one of Madonna's requirements. Listed in a rider to her contract, her dressing room has been painted white because she believes a white background frames her to the best advantage. Consequently, she insists that all her towels and bed linens are also white. Sigmund Freud would probably have a field day analyzing her predilection for the colors symbolizing virginity. Large vases of gardenias, white tuberoses, and white lilies, all her favorite flowers, fill the room. The scent is overwhelming. There are also four boxes of hot tamales and packets of mint and lemon tea. Bottles of Evian, always at room temperature, are here and on stage. Where I place them according to where I know she will need them. Meat products are banned from the dressing room, as is alcohol. Fortunately, the outside temperature is chilly, so for once the dressing room isn't sweltering. Even in hot climates, no matter how steamy the weather, Madonna flatly refuses to use air conditioning. She claims she is never warm enough, is always too cold and the air conditioning is unhealthy for her voice, so that even in high summer, 
in the suffocating heat of Miami, New York, or L.A., her windows remain wide open and the air conditioning off. Here and in every other dressing room, she has hung our late mother's crucifix over the vanity mirror. Our mother was only thirty when she died, yet none of the family ever mentions her name except on rare occasions. That just isn't the Chaconi way. Even though we are Italian on our father's side and French-Canadian on our mother's, we were born in Michigan and, when all is said and done, are Midwesterners to the bone. I go on stage, where I look for any imperfections on the floor so the dancers or, heaven forbid, Madonna herself will trip. I make sure the hydraulic lifts are working, that the lights are in the right position for their first number, and the props are placed correctly. Next, I submit to a press interview in town with one of the less lurid London papers, because my sister refuses to do them anymore and has sent me in her stead. I am polite, friendly, and hope that my interview will favorably impact on tomorrow's reviews, which we will read together over breakfast. If Madonna